So I want to follow up on that story about, uh, uh, about Uganda. Tammy and I were flying uh, into Ethiopia. We we're going to speak at the embassy there a number of years ago. And we were literally the only non-Ethiopians on the plane. We were flying Ethiopian air. <clears throat> and we're sitting there, and Tammy had run to the back to use the restroom before the plane took off. And everybody coming in was from Ethiopia. And I saw this one Caucasian woman with short blonde hair coming in, and I didn't recognize who she was. And I thought to myself, she's got to be a missionary. You know, why is she coming on this plane, you know, out of Dubai into, uh, into Ethiopia or uh, where she was going? She was eventually going to Uganda. And so I looked up, and she got closer, and she started looking more and more familiar. And she says, Phil Hotzenpeller. And I recognized it was Pat Pauline. I said, what are you doing? She said, well, my plane got rerouted um, because of ice in London, and I have to go to Ethiopia before I go to Uganda. And we sat down there and just began to share a little bit. She began to tell us a story about her daughter. And she said, you know, thanks to you and Tammy, all three of my kids are in the ministry. And so the story was not just that one-fold story. It was a three-fold story. And she is the director of that ministry from the States that uh, ministers to so many kids. And as it turned out, their daughter, who lives in Uganda, ended up marrying a Ugandan. They have children and uh, they are blessing these kids over and over again. And, you know, if you, if, you, if you ever think that God isn't in control of your life, start writing down what you see God doing. And you begin to connect the dots of what God is up to. And it's pretty amazing, really, really amazing. Um, I wanted to share with you a couple of stories here as we begin. Uh, many of you were at Christmas Eve service. It was a great night. Uh, we did two services, and we were able to open up our overflow, and we filled this auditorium up and, and the, the loading dock area, and then we had our second service and filled it up as well. But one of the th most significant things that happened to me that night was what happened in between the first and the second Christmas Eve service. Because following uh, that service, uh, I had a young lady come up to me in response to what we have started now as a tradition. Last Mother's Day, we, we asked all the single moms with kids to come forward and let us bless them and let us pray over them. And so we had a number of, of gals who came and we prayed over them and then we took an offering at the end and we sent them all a check. We just divided up what that offering was and we sent them all a check. And we, we didn't know, you know, we got notes from many of them and saying thank you very much, it was a great blessing, but you don't really know what the benefit of that is sometimes uh, ever, and sometimes you only know a little bit of it. So following the first service, we again took up an offering for single moms, and we said, we just want to bless you. We don't care if you go to church here or not. We had a lot of visitors, and, and, we, and just come and let us pray over you, bless you, and let us send you a check. That's really all we cared about. We're going to give 100% of it to you. So following that first service, a gal came up to me, and she, she said, I want to tell you that I was one of those gals that you blessed last Mother's Day. And you gave me um, a check, and uh, I didn't have a job. I didn't have any money. The only, the only money I had was a check you sent me. I really didn't know what I was going to do, but you prayed blessings. You prayed that I would get a job. You prayed that, that God would watch over and give favor and all of those things. And she reached in her purse, and she handed me an envelope with $500 in cash. She said, since that time, she said, I've gotten a job. Um, I've been blessed, and I've been able to live in the surplus, and I want to give you this $500 to seed back into the single moms. And I don't know how that affects you, but I've told that story at least six or seven times now, and it still just kind of gives me chills because she gave out of that experience of sacrifice. And I'm sure she wasn't making enough to make that not feel that pain of that $500. But, you know, one of the things that's characterized our church from the beginning has been generosity. It's been a willingness to bless without expecting to be blessed back. We just want to bless, 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 and as God blesses us, then we receive it, but we want to be a blessing to people. And I don't know, maybe some of you were there that night. Uh, um, if, if you're one of those single moms, I just feel really prompted to say this. If you're a single mom, you weren't there, uh, you're expecting, and uh, you're, you don't have a baby yet, but, but you're a single mom, can we bless you? And would you just give us your name and let us bless you? Um, before you leave, um, we'll have our prayer team here, and we'd like to do that. Um, I think there's just something that happens to us when we give. 
There's something amazing that happens when we give. Uh, last week, I received a phone call from a lady in our church, and she was uh, crying a bit, and she was, pray- she was asking for prayer requests. She said, would you, Pastor, would you pray for me? Would you ask the prayer team to pray for me? We've seen so many miracles happen through our, through our prayer ministry, and so many people healed, and so many lives changed. And, and, and I said, of course I will. I'll pray for you. And I said, tell me what's going on. She said, I have a condition in both of my eyes, and she's really quite young. She has a little three-and-a-half-year-old daughter. And she said, but I have a condition in my eyes that uh, they're going to do a surgery. They don't know if it will be effective, but um, it involves a retina, and it, it, I could go blind in both eyes. Well, you can imagine if you have that news, and you're a young mother of a little preschooler, how, how it affects you. And, of course, you cry, and, of course, you cry out for somebody to, to, to just in hope, just heal me, pray for me. I said, I'm definitely going to pray. Let's pray on the phone. You come Sunday. We're going to pray. We're going to have our prayer team pray for you. So she came on Sunday um, a week ago and for prayer, and she was, gonna have, she was scheduled to have the surgery the, sun, the day before Christmas Eve. And so she called me on that day before Christmas Eve, again crying. And, you know, when women call you crying, it's always a nervous thing for men. I don't know if you know that, guys, but <laughs> ladies, it's true. And um, she's crying, and I said, what's going on? She said, you're not going to believe what happened. She said, I went into the doctor. They were going to do the surgery. They did the exam ahead of time. And the doctor said, I don't understand what's going on. I I really don't quite understand it. Um, But your eyes are healing themselves. And she says, and the doctor said, we're not going to do the surgery. And, I mean, can you put your hands together for that one? And when the doctor said, I don't quite understand it, she said, I do. Let me tell you. You see, when God heals, it's not just to relieve physical discomfort. It's for the glory of God. When God does and demonstrates the works of God, it's for the glory of God. And it was in that moment that she could share and say, it's for the glory of God. This is what God did. This is what God is all about. There's a theologian by the name of N.T. Wright. He said this, God's passion must become our passion. God's passion must become our passion. What is God passionate about? Do you know that God is passionate about you? He is passionate about every single one of you. He looks into your face when you're lonely and he's passionate. He looks into your heart when it's broken and he's passionate. He, he looks into your, into your wallet when it's empty and he's passionate. He said, I want to be your God. This journey that you're on is about you and God. It's about God and us. It's about what God does with us and for us and through us and to us. It's all about a partnership. God wants to show up in your life in a big way because he wants you to understand that he is passionate about you, that he loves you with all of his heart. We're going to be looking into the life of Joshua, this general of, in, in God's army, who took over after Moses. And what he, what he did was he took over after Moses because he was going to lead the conquest into a foreign land. It was Moses who led Israel out of Egypt as a deliverer. And, and unfortunately, because of their rebellion, they walked in circles. You ever walked in circles? You ever not knowing where you're going? I can do that with my GPS. Sometimes I look at my GPS, I don't believe it. I said, no, I know where I'm going, and I'll take a left. It'll say right. And I said, no, I think I know where I'm going. But eventually it reroutes me, and I do what it says because there's a GPS. And, you know, it's that way with God. If you ever notice, sometimes you go on a journey, you think you know what's best, and you take a left when God said take a right, and you find yourself going in circles, and God's, what does he do? He reroutes you. He brings you back to the cross. He brings you back to the Spirit. He brings you back to power. He brings you water. <laughs> Amen. And, and so when God does that, you want to you wanna allow God to reroute your life. Maybe there's something in your life right now that needs to be rerouted. It's not working. That's how you know you need to reroute. My marriage isn't working. It needs to be rerouted. My, my, my struggles in life, I don't know where to go with them. They need to be rerouted. Your passion needs to be rerouted. God wants to do something new. And, and so faith is activated in the battle. Do you know faith is never activated when things are going well? 
You ever just sit around, everything is great, you fold your hands, you got all the money you need, you got all the friends you need, you got good health and all of that. You ever feel like you're just a giant with faith? No, it's when you get in the battle. It's when you get in the battle. It's when you get in that battle that you begin to see what God can do. You have to move into the battle. So you have a choice when the battle comes. You can retreat. You can get out of the line of fire. You can move behind, way back, back behind the lines so that you're not touched by the battle. But also, you will never experience faith behind the lines. You only experience faith when you step into the line. God has to show up. God has to do something or you are out of business. That's what God wants to do in our life. What's the battle you need to step into? Where's the front lines where God wants to be able to show up and show you what faith is all about? See, when life is too comfortable, you miss out on God's best. You've got to get uncomfortable to see what God is up to. Do you know, he even practiced that with his own son. Think about this. Matthew chapter 4, it says Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil. Who led him into the wilderness? God did. Why? He wanted him tempted. Why? He wanted to prove him. He wanted to challenge him. He wanted to see really in the humanity of Jesus, are you willing to fight the fight? Are you willing to do battle with the ultimate enemy in your life? You will never find that if you're not in the battle. Whenever you look for the easy way out, you miss out on the best that God has for you. You'll miss out completely. You'll say, I don't know why people are seeing miracles and seeing this and seeing that. It's because you're too far back. You've got to move into enemy lines. You've got to see what God is up to. Also, boldness increases when Christ is Lord. You see, when you, when you make a decision to say Jesus is not just Lord salvation, but Jesus is Lord of my life. In other words, I'm going to live my life by the Lordship of Christ. What happens? Your boldness increases because it's not about you. It's about him. It's about him. And you see, also we have to understand that faith laughs at impossibilities. When you have faith, you don't worry about impossible things. You know, whenever we've taken some steps and we've taken some pretty bold steps to be where we are today in two years, you know, we'll experience our third year anniversary next year. And to see what God has done in, this, in the course of these two and a half plus years is, is amazing. But let me tell you something. There were many, many times when I just said, this is impossible, and I just would start laughing and say, let's see what God can do. What can God do when you begin to laugh at the impossibilities of your life? You say, God, it's not about me. It's about you. It's not about, you say, well, I don't have much faith. You don't need much. It says if your faith is the size of a mustard seed, you don't need a lot of faith. Use what you have. See what God can do. Now, I want to give an illustration here. Can you tell me what this is? Just read it. Say it out loud. What is it? Stop. Let's say it loud together. Say it what? Stop. Now, in traffic, what do you do? Stop. That's good, right? Now, some of you don't. Some of you just run through it. Right, or you do the California stop, you just kind of coast, and, and everything looks good, you keep moving, right? Okay, let me tell you something. A lot of you are living your life with a stop sign about what God's up to in your life. Every time you think about being blessed, there's a stop sign. It says, well, God's not going to bless me. Every time you begin to wonder about what God is up to, you say, well, you know, I, I just don't think I can. I don't know where God is. I don't think what God can do. So here's what I want to do. We've been conditioned every time we see this to say stop. Now, I want you to practice something different in your spiritual life, not in your traffic skills. When you see that when every time I hold this up, I want you to say go. Because I want you to remember something. Every time you see a stop sign, you stop your car, please. If you get a ticket, I'm not responsible. But whenever you see a stop sign, I want you to say, I stop because of traffic, but I go because of God. That's a reminder to me. Every stop sign is a go sign for God. Don't stop in your faith. Don't stop in your courage. Don't stop. You see, that was a message that Joshua had to get. So let's say, what does this say? Go. Let's say it a little bit louder. What? Go. Okay, we're going to go. So every time I hold it up, you're going to say what? Go. All right. And every time you get in your car and you come to one of those, you're going to do what? Stop. No, you're not going to go. Are you kidding me? Don't go at the stop signs. Only go in your head to God. Got it? Okay. Now let's go to our Bibles and take a look at it. Joshua chapter 1, and let's look at verses 1 through 9. 
After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun. By the way, my voice feels fine. It just doesn't sound good. Okay? So I'm fine. Don't worry about me. We're going to make it through this. And if we don't, you get out early and it'll all be good. All right. The death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Notice, Joshua is the assistant to Moses. God is going to elevate him. And what's Joshua seen for 40 years? He's seen people go in circles. He's seen people grumble. And now he's going to get the mantle. He's going to take the baton. He's going to be the winner. He's going to be the leader. Do you think he wants it? I mean, think about it. If that was your job, your job is to walk 40 years in circles and listen to people gripe. Does that sound like a job you want? I don't think I want that job. I don't think I want to do that. But look what he says. It says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, go over this Jordan, you and all the people. And he's probably thinking, I've been trying to go over this Jordan for 40 years. We've wandered in an area that is smaller than the state of Missouri for 40 years. Does that put it in perspective? Imagine you're in Missouri and you're trying to get to Kansas City or St. Louis. And all you're doing is this for 40 long years. And it says now you're going over. You're going over the Jordan. You and all this people to the land that I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. As I said to Moses, from the wilderness and to this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. There's a promise. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. You know, that's God's word to you. God says, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to take you into the promise. I'm going to give you the solution. You don't focus on the problem. Focus on the solution. I'm going there. Yeah, but what about, don't worry about that. Well, yeah, but we don't worry about that. You know why some people are so stuck and they can't move forward in any dimension of their life, whether it's relationship, whether it's vocation or anything else, because they're so worried about the hurt and the difficulty they've experienced and they focus on the problem, they never focus on the solution. God is a solution-oriented God. God is not focused on your sin. He's focused on the redemption that's found in Jesus Christ. Before you had a problem, God had a solution. His name is Jesus. He came to set you free. And it says here, no man is going to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will not leave you, forsake you. But here's the word. Be strong and be of good courage. What's my role? Say it with me. Be strong. And be of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong. Be what? Very courageous. Very courageous. That you may observe to do according to all that the law of Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn to the right hand, to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. You see, God wants you to prosper. You know what prosperity is? It's having something versus nothing. It's having uh, an ability to live in a margin instead of living in a deficit all your life. And I'm talking about relationally. I'm talking about physically. I'm talking about financially. I'm talking about spiritually. God wants to bring all those pieces together in your life. He says, I'm going to do that. Verse 8, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. You know what meditation is? Is I read it. And I think about it, and I let it just roll over in my mind. What does that mean? What's the application? How do I put that into my life? When I'm reading this, if I'm reading a passage that says, be very courageous, what I do when I meditate is I go, God, am I courageous? What errors am I not courageous? How do I become courageous? What would it look like if I was courageous? How would my life be different if I was courageous? How would other people around me respond if I were courageous? How would other people respond if I were at the front of the battle instead of in the back trying to get away from all the darts and the, and the difficulties of life? It says, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then, notice, then. You see that word then? So we've got to do that to get to here. Then I will make your way what? Prosperous. Then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? 
Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I found this quote from Henry Ward Beecher. Let me just read it to you. Hold yourself responsible for a higher standard than anybody else expects of you. Never excuse yourself. Never pity yourself. Be a hard master to yourself and be lenient on everyone else. Listen to it again. Hold yourself responsible for a higher standard than anyone else expects of you. You see, people may expect you to be here. You want to always come in here. You don't do it for their sake. You do it for your sake. You see, if you're not constantly stretching out and going beyond the limit of your ability, you don't, first of all, find God's ability, and you never grow as a person. You never see what God can do when he gets hold of your heart. Never excuse yourself. Well, I can't do it because, you know, I wasn't raised that way. I can't do it because I'm not educated. I can't do it because of this and because of that. You know, one of my political heroes is Winston Churchill. And I collect Winston Churchill books, uh, rare books by Winston Churchill. If you have any of them, please send them my way. But one of my favorite trivia questions about Winston Churchill is what college did he go to? He was prime minister of England. He, he won a Pulitzer. I mean, think about it. He was an accomplished artist. He had all of these things. What college did he go to? And to date, no one's ever got it right. He didn't go to college. He had a high school diploma from Eton. He never went to college. He didn't let that keep him back. He didn't let that hold him back from what God wanted to do in his life. He became one of the great statesmen of the world. And yet he did it because he didn't take step up and say, well, I never went to college, therefore I can't do something. He didn't let anything get in his way. My second favorite trivia question is, who owns the who, who has the record for the fastest cobblestone or bricklayer of streets? Now, they don't do this anymore, but it's actually Winston Churchill. So the guy who was a prime minister, who was an artist, was also a bricklayer. And he holds a world record to this date for the fastest bricklayer of streets in the world. That's crazy. But you know why? Because you see, when you get disciplined and focused in one area, it affects every area of your life. You don't become good in one area, you become good in all areas because the principle of excellence and discipline marks your life. You take what you learn from this area where you're super passionate, you apply it to every area of your life, whether you're passionate to the same degree or not. So, never excuse yourself, never pity yourself, be a hard master on yourself and be lenient to everyone else. You see, ultimately, you know what it's all about? It's about Jesus. You see, what Joshua would find when he was going in taking territory, he said he would find out it was all about Jesus. Now, he was ready to go. He was a general. He was a warrior. He was on a conquest. And so all of a sudden, he finds himself on one side of the river getting ready to cross. He looks up and he sees this angel of the Lord. And he's so bold, he says, are you on our side or are you on their side? I think he was asking, should I try to kill you now? Should I try to take you out now? And you know what that angel of the Lord said? I'm on neither. I'm on the Lord's side. You see, Jesus didn't come to take sides. He came to take over. He didn't come to take one, one side of your life and say, you know, yeah, I see what you're saying. They, are, they all did you wrong. No, he came to take over your life. He came to take your opinion out of the situation. He came to take your, your hurt and your pain and your feelings out of the situation and say, would you just let me be God? Would you just let me be Lord of your life? You see, his presence, listen to what it says here. His presence is personal. Look in verse 1. How, he says, the Lord spoke. How many of you need God to speak to you about something? You know, he'll speak to every one of you. There's nobody here that God won't speak to if you know him. What do you need to hear from God? God, I need some direction in this area. Okay, are you willing to listen? Or are you going to take your pain, your hurt? You're going to take your past, your circumstances? You're going to just kind of 
kind of nurse that or are you going to listen to my voice? Because you listen to my voice and I'm going to propel you forward in ways you can't even imagine. He also said, I'm going to be your sufficiency. Well, I don't have this. I don't have that. He says, look, verse 5, I will be with you. If God's with you, what do you need? Let's, park, let's take ourselves back 2,000 years. You're walking along with Jesus. He's, work, he's working miracles. Somebody saw a blind man's being able to see. A leper's been cleansed. He's walking on water. He's, he's making dinner for, for 5,000 people. Are you going to walk along and go, oh, Jesus, I just don't know what we're going to do? I guess, you know, we're just going to get by. Well, no, you're not going to do that. I got the miracle worker right here. We need some food. Just get a fish. He'll multiply it. We need some coins. We go get a fish, take it out of its mouth. We get in a bad sea. He just says to the wind and the waves, be still. Where is Jesus today? He's in you. He, you say, well, if I'd only lived there. No, it's more powerful now. It's Christ in you, working in you. He wants to do so. He said, I'm with you. It's also immediate. Look what it says there in verse 9. The Lord is with you wherever you go. Well, I, th I thought he was just with me at church. No, sometimes he's not even with you at church. It's not about where you are. It's about who he is. Well, I know he's with me when I pray. He's with you when you don't pray. Well, I know he's with me when I love him. He's with you when you forget about him. Wherever you go, God is there. Your acknowledgement of his presence increases your perception of his presence, but it doesn't increase his presence. God is here. When you say that God is here, there's something that happens in your spirit if you know the Lord and you say, you know, I feel a, a greater sense of his presence now. See, God is present everywhere at the same time. We just are not aware of his presence. You see, it's his resources and not yours anyway, isn't it? I want to tell you a story. You know the first chapter of this. I want to tell you the second chapter as well. I'll tell the first chapter quickly in case you've heard the story. But uh, sometime back, <clears throat> we went up to Bethel Church for a week of healing training. And I went up early on Monday. Tammy would follow on Tuesday, so I'm there, and uh, the guy up leading it was a guy named Chris Gore. He'll be with us in May for a three-day conference on healing. Um, but um, he was saying, you know, at the end, he said, I, I want to pray for someone's healing today, and I just feel prompted that if anyone here has floaties in their eyes, I'd like to pray for your healing. And I thought, well, I've got those floaties. They're kind of like fluid in your eye, and the, sometimes they kind of make those little squiggles. They move around your eyes. And I said, I got that, but, you know, I was kind of doing the man thing. You ever done the man thing, guys? Yeah, you know, other people have bad floaties. I don't have bad floaties, you know, so I'm not going to have anybody pray for me. Guy stood up in front of me, and I thought, yeah, that guy, he's probably got bad floaties. I'm going to pray for him. And then I thought they said, stand up and pray for the guy standing around you. So I stood up, did my most spiritual, you know, outreach hand prayer, knowing the Spirit of God was going through all five fingers, you know, just zapping this guy. He was feeling faith. He was starting, starting to move and, and get the Spirit of God in him, right? And then this girl comes up to me. She goes, can I pray for your floaties? I thought, man, I've been trapped. I thought, you know, God must have wanted me just to be prayed for. I said, yeah, that'll be great. He said, now, before we pray, I, I want you to know it's not about me. So he looked down, he saw a 10-year-old boy on the front row, and he said, son, would you come up here? And he's looking around like, who, me? Comes up here, and he, he says, I want you to pray for these people's floaties to go away. And the kid goes, what are floaties? And he goes, you don't worry about it. You just pray for the healing. He said, I want you to see that what God does is not about our faith or about some faith healer. It's about Jesus. So, so he said, everybody close your eyes. We're going to have this kid pray. Here's how he prays. Floaties, go. <laughs> I'm sitting there thinking, surely he could have done a better prayer than that, even though he's only 10. You know, I mean, you, it's really not a good prayer unless you got a thee or a thou in there, is it? Lo, Lord, thou who knowest these floaties do exist. <laughs> Relieve my servant that he might be upright and, and prosperous in his way. Amen. No, floaties go. 
So I'm standing there, and he said, now open your eyes. I open my eyes, and I'm going, I don't know if this is a trick, but I don't, I got clarity. I don't see any floaties. Every day for a week, I'm looking for floaties. I can't find, I can't get them back. That's chapter one. Now chapter two. Chapter two is last week I went to my eye doctor for my annual exam. I went in there and I sat down and I let him go through the whole thing. He said, you know, your eyes look great. He said, uh, and your vision hasn't changed a bit, so uh, I'll see you again next year. I said, great. I said, before I go, can I tell you something? I'm standing up talking to him and I said, can I tell you something? And I tell him the story I just told you. And he looked at me with great curiosity. He says, sit back down. I says, what? He sat back down. I'm going to look in your eyes. And then I had that moment, you know, that moment where you know God did something, but then you go, then the human side kicks in and goes, what if he finds floaties and I'm under some delusion? <laughs> I mean, really, I, I mean, I, that's what I was going through. And I'm saying, oh God, if, if they came back, get rid of them again. <laughs> I mean, that's the only thing I know to do, right? And so I sits down, he takes the microscope. You know how doctors, they kind of grunt and, mm, and ah, you know, and then they don't say anything. Oh, well, you, oh yeah, that, mm. I go, what? He goes, well, there's none in that eye. He said, Look, maybe they're over in this eye. Maybe they're over on this side. Great. They've moved from one eye to the other now. So now he pushes the, the, the microscope thing over there, and he looks in my eye, and he goes, they're not there either. He said, yeah, they're not there. He said, but let me go back and look a year and a half ago when I examined you, and I found those floaties. Pulls up the pictures, and there they are. And then he takes a picture of that new one. He goes, they're not there. Chapter 2 is God confirmed what he did last year. God's healing hand. But you know, when God shows up to do something, it's about him. It's not even about the 10-year-old boy. It's about Jesus. See, his resources are not your resources. God wants to do something amazing in your life. One of the things that happens, I hear people say all the time, you know, I wish I knew the word of God like you knew it. And I, you know, I say, you know, I'm embarrassed. I wish I knew the word of God better. And I think we always, all of us live in that little bit of attention, don't we? I want to know more. But can I say this? You know as much of the Bible as you want to. You know as much of the Bible as you've applied to yourself to it. It's not about laying down and saying, praying, go, God, give me the Bible and implant it in me so I know it instantly and I can apply it. It's about hard work. It's about reading and studying and, and, and meditating on it. Like he told Joshua, you've got to meditate on the Word of God day and night. You've got to do the Word of God, not turn from the left or turn to the right. You've got to do the Word of God. It's one of the reasons why uh, we started our school of ministry. You know, back in June, and we started it with just about 50 or 60 people, and now it's grown to an enrollment of about 180 people. And God is blessing it. We'll go, we'll go global with it, uh, an online school of ministry in 2015. We hope to touch lives all around the world. We've got a new class starting in January 6th on biblical discipleship. It's, we call it kingdom discipleship. We'd like you to sign up for it in the lobby when you leave. You really want to learn the Word of God. Learn the basics. We're going to cover the 10 basic topics that every believer needs to know. Six weeks of your life will change your life. I want to encourage you to do that. It's time also that we see what God can do. You know, I know what I can do. Now, I think I can do more, but I know kind of some of my, my limitations, and I know some of the areas where I, if I pushed, I could go into. But do you know that God has no limitations. Can you imagine what God can do in your life? Notice what he says in Joshua 1.8. He tells him to speak the word. Speak the word of God. The book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You know what happens when you start speaking the word of God? It changes you. You begin to see, see things differently. Your eyes look at things differently. You begin to say, wow, you know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. If I want to have knowledge about anything, it begins with the fear of the Lord. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. I want to have the fear of the Lord in my life. Do you see a man skilled in his ways? He'll not stand before obscure men. He'll stand before kings. You let the word of God just become engrafted in you. Then you'll become like a tree planted by living waters that yields its fruit in all of its seasons. It leaf does not wither. You'll begin to see what God can do because the word of God will be like life coming out of you and you'll be like that tree of life that's always giving forth the word of God. You have to not only just speak it, but you have to saturate yourself in it. 
You got to go deep into it. You got to get yourself in the word of God. So when the situation demands something, you can respond instantly and say, no, the word of God says, I'm going to follow the word of God. Look what he says here. You shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe according to all that is written in it. Not only we saturate, but we'll have success by the word of God. It says in Joshua 1.8, for then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. When? When I saturate myself in the word of God. When I speak the word of God. When I let the word of God just become everything for me. Everything for me. Life begins to happen when I get in the word of God. You know, sometimes when we think about what God's doing, we need to say what? You know, I got a text from someone in our congregation that they've just got out of the hospital they said, uh, just watch the first service. We're walking around the house shouting, go. Walking around the house shouting, go. Because you see, mentally right now, you might have a stop. God can't do that for me. And you're going to say what? Go. You're going to say, God's going to go. God is going to take me down a journey. The enemy's going to show up and say, but, but don't you remember all the times you let him down? And you're going to say, what? No. And the enemy's going to say, you've got to stop. And you're going to say, no, I've got to what? No. I'm going to go with God. I'm going to see what God can do. I've figured out what I can do. What would happen if you would apply your time, your gifts, your talents, your opportunities to moving forward with God? Think how, how your life might change. What if you said 2015 is going to be the greatest year of my life? And your mind's going, stop, stop, stop. And you have to just say, no, I'm going on with God. I'm not going to let the past stop me from my future. I'm not going to let the difficulties and the struggles I've experienced to be a hindrance to what God wants to do in my life in 2015. I really want to challenge us as a church to look at this next year and say, we're going to go haul out for God. We're going to see what God can do if we just really commit ourselves to the things of the kingdom like we never have before. You know, if you had one year to live, if you had one year to live, how would you live it? Would you live it in self-indulgence or would you live it trying to honor God because you knew there was an eternal reward? And the truth is, none of us have a promise of tomorrow. What are we going to do with what we have? I'm going to make 2015 my greatest year ever. I'm going to see God do greater things than he's ever done before because I'm going to step into it. I'm not going to step back from it. I want you to stand. I wrote a declaration of victory that I believe is really powerful, and I believe it can really change your life. We're going to say this together. It goes like this. My victory in life. Yeah, the, the goal on this thing is to say it together. Got it? All right. My victory in life is found in Christ. He is my rock, my foundation. Every step of my life is marked by his guidance and purpose. No weapon formed against me will prosper. As a child of the living God, I rise to new heights by the power of the Spirit. This year, this year, say it like you mean it, this year will be my greatest year. Do you believe that? This year will be my what? My greatest year. Don't look back. You got to look forward. This day, will bring me newfound favor. This day, today, will bring me newfound favor. This moment, I am in the presence of the Lord. His presence brings me guidance, strength, and wisdom. Amen. So be it in your life, so be it in your heart. Let's pray together. Father, as we pray, we ask for your spirit right now to take this declaration of victory. We ask you, God, to take this declaration and seal it in our hearts, Father. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you will be honored 
in every life. We pray that this day and this upcoming year will be our greatest day and our greatest year in our history. That we're going to see you do miracles like we've never seen before. We're going to see your hand like we've never seen it before. We're not going to move back from the battle. We're going to step into the battle. We're not going to lack faith. We're going, to, we're going to be courageous faith warriors for the kingdom. We're going to be like Joshua. We're going to be people on a conquest. We're going to people, be a people who take the land. We're going to be a people who see the works of God like no one has seen them before. How about you? You just remain with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Would you? How about you? Did you resonate with that? Can you say yes to that? If you're saying, I tried that before, then it hasn't got you yet. You have to step forward into the battle. Your past does not dictate your future. Your failures does not make you a failure. Your setbacks do not define you. You are defined by your relationship with God as a son and a daughter of the living King of kings and Lord of lords. I'm going to ask our prayer team members and some of our staff to be here at the front to pray with you. But I'm also going to ask you, if you resonate with that call to victory, that declaration of victory, would you just come forward and and maybe just pray at this altar? You don't need to talk to anyone if you don't want to. If you want to pray with someone, there'll be someone there to pray with you. But you need to see God do something. There's something about stepping forward and and kind of sealing it in your own heart. It's not necessary. It's not required of the Lord. But it's powerful somehow. It settles something in your heart. When the band plays, I want you just to come. If you're not certain that you know Christ, I want to encourage you to to call on his name. He said, all who call upon my name will be saved. You might pray a prayer like this one. Dear Lord Jesus, would you save me? I believe you died on the cross for me, rose again to give me new life. And I just want to follow you and serve you, God. If you pray a prayer like that in your own heart, God saves you. And you need to stop forward and start to learn what it means to walk after his might. If you're one of those single moms I referred to earlier, you'd like someone just to bless you. We'd like to bless you today. Whether you have a baby yet or you're expecting, whether you go to this church or you don't go to this church on a regular basis, we want to bless you. So as the band plays, we're just going to ask you, make that recommitment, a declaration of faith, or let us bless you right now as the band plays.
for his victories. Amen. And I want to just thank God for every one of you. What a great year we've had. And uh, this is what God can do in a couple of years. Think what he can do in five. You know, you take and you mark your life by your God encounters. Not by your checkbook. By your vacations or your retirement. You mark it by your God encounters. And every time you have a God encounter, it's a, it's a step in the right direction of the kingdom. Amen? So we want to pray that God gives you many of those. Um, not just today, but in the upcoming year. That God's favor is on you like never before. That you really do have that declaration. Which, by the way, it's on our, our Facebook page, on our influence page, if you want to get it. Because I know a lot of people ask me for those. But we posted it there this morning. And so you can go and just put that in your Bible, print it and put it in your Bible. Say, that's this is going to be my greatest year. This is going to be my greatest day. It's going to be my greatest moment because God is with me. Amen. If God is for me, who can be against me anyway? Right? And send that message. Tell other people. It's not fair for you to share it, not to share it. You know, tell people, hey, this could be your greatest year. They'll say, well, how? Well, let me tell you. You tell them about God. Amen. Hey, let me just ask you to to do a couple of things too. Just remind you, on the 11th, we're moving this service to 1040. And we just believe it's a better way to utilize our personnel and we've got, uh, we've opened up some parking. So we, we picked up about 475 parking places. So we have plenty of parking so we can rotate the crowd without any problem at all. So just mark it down on the 11th. Now on that day is a special day. <clears throat> I'll be preaching at the nine o'clock starting a new series on the book of Genesis called Square One. Then at the 1040, we're going to have the concert with Plum, and I will not be preaching. So if you want to hear the message, you have to come at 9. Now, some of you don't even know 9 exists on Sunday morning. All right? Some of you know it exists, but you ignore it. But I promise you, there is a 9 o'clock on Sunday morning. And... Uh, just show up, be a part of that, invite people to this concert. Plum is, a, is an award-winning artist. Uh, it's a great time to invite friends to be a part of that. She's got an amazing story uh, that involved just struggles uh, in her life, uh, even a separation from her husband that brought them back together. It's a real miracle story. It's one that you can invite people to and go, you got to hear this story, you got to hear this gal sing. Okay, you got it? Then as you go out today, don't forget, sign up for discipleship, pick up a book, sign school of ministry, be a part of what God's doing, and let me just bless you as you go, okay? May the Lord bless you, may the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May you influence your world for Jesus Christ. May the name of God be lifted up. And may you see his works, may you see his power, and may you just with full agreement in your spirit say this will be the greatest year of my whole life and every time I see a stop sign in my spirit I'm going to say go even though I have to stop my car I'm going to say go in my spiritual heart because I know God you want me to go on with you you want me to move forward and not be stopped by my past but be pulled by my future we give you praise and glory this day Jesus amen God bless you. Have a great new year.